Merry Christmas. I'm Stephanie Smith. And I'm Angela Sackett. We're so glad you're joining us for our 2020 Advent study, Longing and Light. Just as God's people long for the promised Messiah to come, we savor his appearing and long for his return. During this Advent, we will see how the Gospel of John recognizes an innate longing in all of us and points us to fulfillment in Jesus. As we enter into this Christmas season, we're closing a year filled with challenges, disappointments, and shifting ground. Advent is an incredible invitation to lean forward and look up at Jesus, our hope, our anchor, and the light that shines in the darkness. Welcome to week one. We are so glad to be here, super excited to dive into the book of John and this idea of the longing and the light together. I can't wait to hear what you have to say, Steph, because Stephanie will be leading our discussion this first week, and man, you have some good stuff to share with us. Thanks. Um, Yeah, actually, speaking of light, I was thinking about um, a question I wanted to ask you, and so I was just wondering if you have any memories of light that just kind of took your breath away? Oh, that is a good question to ask a photographer. (laughs) (laughs) I love the idea. I remember learning when I first started getting into photography that the word photography means writing with light. And that's kind of my dreamy passion is writing and experiencing light. So yeah, actually I do. Um, About six years ago, our family moved from Florida where you and I first knew each other in real life. Yes. And uh, to the East Coast near Long Beach Island, New Jersey. And when we first moved here, we stayed in a tiny little, I think about 900 square foot, I called it the cottage, uh, which was overlooking a little bay area. And I will never forget waking up the first morning in what felt like a foreign land in this tiny little house. Everything we owned was in storage pretty much, except what we shoved into that house. And looking out the little master bedroom window, if you can call it that, and the sun was just coming up over the houses that on the other side of the bay faced the beach. And it literally took my breath away. And it was such an incredible, I guess, picture to me of God's faithfulness and his still being who he was and still being present with our family as we moved into some place that was completely new and different to us. Um, and yeah, there is nothing magical like sunrises and sunsets. And especially when you just get to see them right as they break the horizon. (laughs) Wow. That's really neat. Yeah. How about you? You got one? Yeah, I would say for me, like a memory that I have. And then a moment that I look forward to every year is when you first plug in the Christmas tree (laughs) and everybody's just gathered around to watch and and, and yes. you just hear that, like, silo, small little gasp in the air. And I just, I love it so much. <sighs> yes, I know exactly what you mean, and I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> I leave the Christmas tree on pretty much all day and all night during the Oh, day. yeah, totally. Me, too. <laughs> I'm like, I will foot the bill for this. <laughs> well, today, um, if you're following along in your Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 1. And... Um, We do encourage you to follow along in your Bible. Um, Hopefully having this as an audio will make it easy for you to open your Bible up and grab some pencils or highlighters or whatever it is you do. Um, So this is often referred to as the prologue of John. And 
I really like to think of it as a blueprint um, for the rest of the book of John. And this is similar um, to uh, some other books in the Bible that use some kind of poetic opening to reflect what we can expect to happen in the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, another example of that would be in First Samuel. Um, Hannah's prayer is towards the very beginning of that book, and it really sets the reader up intentionally for what to expect um, from God's character through the book. And um, so John's doing something similar here, and it's going to be fun to break this, uh, these first 18 verses down and see uh, how John organizes his thoughts here. Awesome. I do want to say that something I really appreciate about you is that you look through that lens of literature. And that's been something that has really helped me and, and some of my friends over the years to look at scripture in that way, because it really gives you sort of a structure to, to begin to understand some of the passages in context. Yes, totally. Structure. My brain is very logical, so I need that structure. (laughs) And um, another, just another quick note on John's writing style in particular, because I think it's interesting and he's a very, he was a very brilliant writer. Um, Thomas Brody is a commentator who says, what we are dealing with is not a straight line, but but a spiral or a staircase, a literary structure which simultaneously repeats and intensifies. It recalls what is past, but it also moves on to something new. And I think that's really helpful because you will see that that spiral or um, like kind of like a silly straw where you're going to come back to some things that he's already mm-hmm. mentioned, but he's going to, as uh, Brody said, it intensifies. And what's interesting about John as a writer is you see that same structure in Revelation too. So mm-hmm. that's really helpful, um, especially in Revelation, because what can be a confusing book. But if you realize that he's repeating some of the same things in new ways, it's mm-hmm. very helpful. It's like you're getting to know the author and that's helping you understand what it is that he's Yes, exactly. We're just going to start out with um, focusing on verses one through five, and I'm going to read those in the beginning. And I think that has to, um, for all of us, bring to mind mm-hmm. something else, <laughs> <laughs> something very familiar that we've heard since Sunday school. Yes. I think, Angela, you even have it in your memory verse binder, don't yes. you? Yes. Yep. That's yeah. the first verse the kids and I worked on this year. Okay. It so, didn't take us long. <laughs> so, so can you say it for us? I'm in putting the beginning, you on the spot. Yes. God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1, 1. Yeah. <laughs> and Angela is working on putting out a memory verse binder. So you guys yeah. can uh, stay tuned for that. Um, but so, yeah, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm. And, and if you turn back to that, well, we will turn back to it in a minute. But John's audience would have had that under their belt that was a memory card they had mastered Mm -hmm. like it was so familiar it had been told over and over and they knew the whole creation account so words that are popping into their minds and and concepts that are popping into their minds are things like darkness water word and light Mm -hmm. and so 
I love how John is taking all of those concepts and he's re-delivering them to us in a completely new way. Yes. So let's, let's read it. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him and that life was the light of men. Oh, chills. <laughs> that, that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. So you get John just introducing this concept of Jesus, the word, the divine incarnate word who has existed from the beginning. And he, he wants all these things to kind of ball up into one thing in our minds of, so, of, sorry, uh, if you flip back, I'm going to flip back to Genesis 1-1 really quick. That's all right. While you're doing that too, yeah. when you get a second, I want you to break down that word incarnate for us. I always forget that there are words like that, that sometimes come easy and sometimes don't. So no, that's that a great us. point. Yeah. <clears throat> incarnate means became flesh. Um, mm -hmm. So God, the son hasn't always been flesh and bones human. He existed since before time began and he God chose to reveal himself in the form of a person, a man, at this time in history in particular. And so that is when he became incarnate. Yes. Um, so we get that that root word like car carnal, car mm -hmm. you know. Flesh. Flesh. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, thanks for asking that. So in Genesis 1. Angela quoted for us verse one, and then it says, now the earth was formless and empty darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. So you get that same darkness in Genesis. That's what came first was complete and utter darkness. Yeah. And then you hear this quick mention of water, watery depths, and that the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And, and John's going to, bring that water element in too. He uses it throughout his entire book. Um, the word, the water and Jesus all being kind of synonyms for each other. Um, and, and then verse three says, then God said, so God is speaking the word, the word mm -hmm. is speaking. <laughs> Let there be light. So just, just, it just really connects there with John of, um, uh, that life was the light of men. You know, if you let yourself sit there too, I'm such a visual person. If you let yourself just kind of sit with that image for a minute, the idea of darkness and that watery darkness. And my husband laughs at me. I cannot watch movies that involve small spaces or people being trapped underwater because that it brings to me this feeling of like a weight on my chest and kind of a panic. Yeah. And if you let yourself use your imagination and sit in that for a minute, that's what it is to be apart from God. That's what it is without him in darkness. And then uh, I was telling you this earlier. I, I hear in my mind the voice of Aslan. The, the, when we used to listen to the books on CD. Yeah. The word spoke. Oh, Let yeah. There be light. Oh. I love that. I love that <laughs> so much. <laughs> yes. 
so so we get all of those those images and John is wanting to bring our minds back to those things because what well, I mean basically what he's saying through that is this is a new beginning. Je- he's introducing Jesus mm-hmm. and he's saying there's a new creation coming. Like we have a new beginning here. <sighs> so powerful. So and I wanted to point out one thing that's interesting in verse 5, John says, that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. Mm-hmm. And this is just one example of John using phrases that have twofold meanings. So one of those would be that just that hope of the darkness never, or the light never being swallowed up by the darkness. Mm-hmm. Like like a, a lone candle in a dark place, but it never dies out or is never snuffed out. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's so hope giving just it in is. and of itself. Yeah. Especially, I mean, talk about a practical application for where we are right now when our nation and our world continues to make increasing choices to embrace darkness, to embrace separation from God's plan. And it yeah. can feel panicky. It can feel like you can't catch your breath. It can feel like you're all alone in that darkness. And we have that first, well, not even the first, but that reminder here, the darkness will not consume because he is the light. Yeah. And I think the world doesn't even consciously, they're not saying we embrace darkness, mm-hmm. but they are consciously saying yeah. we reject God. And yes. what they don't realize is that God is the light. So by yeah. rejecting God, they are embracing darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Walking in blindness. Yeah. So, and then the the other half of that meaning, um, some your Bible may interpret it this way, is it, it may say the darkness did not comprehend it or understand mm. it. And that's just as true. And I think when our Bibles... Um, interpret words differently it's for a good reason it's because a lot of times the word does have a complex meaning and sometimes having both is very helpful to understanding Mm -hmm. the meaning so in the in that case um there is a sense of what you said blindness of of a darkened mind like we hear about in romans and just not being able to understand and see God's glory for the the value that it is. Yeah. A quick note here too, a tool for you guys. um, And we've shared this before. One of my favorite sites is biblegateway.com. But I also have a print um, parallel Bible. It's called, I think it's the precise parallel, but it, it's so helpful sometimes to look at those different translations side by side so that you can get the nuances in, in context. Um, So those are a couple tools for you guys. Yes. I love those tools. <laughs> <laughs> they all bring order, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I just want to move down now to the next um, section. And in my Bible, I've just kind of drawn brackets around verses 6 through 13. Because this is where John wants to introduce the idea of Everything that's happened in history up to this point that he's he's writing um, 
So we could call that for, for the sake of simplicity and, and in our understanding, the Old Testament, the time of the prophets. Um, so John, the writer, the Gospel of John writer, introduces John the Baptist. There was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. So I'm just going to pause there so we can go back through this and see some of some of the things here that we really see uh, repeated a lot through the rest of John, some, some major themes. And one of those themes we see actually repeated three times here in verse seven and eight is the word witness mm -hmm. or testify. Yes. And John, both in this book as well as in Revelation and probably in his, his letters, but I haven't, I can't recall off the top of my head how much those are, how much that word is there. But um, he always uses that word witness or yes. testify. So it's an, it's an important concept that he, his experience and his knowledge and what he lived through, he has been, he has that and he is sharing it for a purpose yes. to testify to the truth about who God is, about who Jesus is. Yeah. And I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this and you've got a pen, write those words down, witness and um, testimony, because we're going to talk about that even more in week two. It is a an incredible concept that does get repeated. Yeah. And then also um, in verse seven, he says, so that all might believe through him. And if you want to make a note there, uh, looking at John 20 verse 31 also, that's John's thesis statement. Normally in college, you learn to put your thesis at the beginning of a paper, but John puts his at the end. <laughs> and he says that I write these things so that you might believe mm -hmm. that Jesus is the Messiah. And so he, he does. Okay. I'll give John credit. He puts it at the beginning too, just not, <laughs> not as explicitly, <laughs> but that is his main goal. And so um, just pay attention to that word believe also. I would mm -hmm. encourage you to highlight that throughout John's book. Um, and excuse me, if you hear me sniffle, it's because I am getting over a cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I love this concept. He says the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So he almost talks about it as this gradual process of of God revealing himself. Mm -hmm. and. This, this section, verses 6 through 13, is kind of marked by that idea of John the, Baptist, John the Baptist being a witness pointing to Christ, revealing who Christ is. And that's what really marks the entire Old Testament is that it is the time of the prophets. Mm -hmm. um, it's the time that God specifically marked to give 
the his people a chance to see him, to respond to him, and and submit to his kingship. And um, so this is a season that's that's really ending with John the Baptist. John is the final prophet pointing mm-hmm. to Jesus. And something something that um, oh, actually, you know what? I'm gonna save that part for later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get back to that in a little bit. Little tease. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so I am gonna so John goes from the beginning and then he kind of reviews the Old Testament period and how Jesus was coming into the world gradually and then he was in the world, he's saying, but I think he's speaking of that not as Jesus has arrived because he has, we haven't gotten to verse 14 yet where he says the word became flesh. So in verse 10 where it says he was in the world, I think it's referring to God is in the world just like Romans talks about um, how we can see God's, the proof of God and the glory of who he is in creation and all around us. Like there's evidence of God in the world. And of course we know because we know our Bibles that God spoke to his people. He made himself known. He was in the world without a doubt. Um, And he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. And of course we have all kinds of evidence of that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and you, you probably didn't have leave time to go there, but you also have all of the appearances of the angel of the Lord in the old Testament where God actually did appear physically to his people. Even then that foreshadowing. No, absolutely. And that's something, well, not the angel specifically, but I wanted to bring up a, a little spot where God does like, speak directly to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to save that for the end. Because <laughs> again, we have this spiral thing, right? Where John kind of keeps revisiting his points. So he's going to revisit that in a minute. And that's when I'm going to touch on that. But um, I love, and then you have, again, the word believe. He gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. And then this section here is really interesting because it um, really mirrors Jesus words to Nicodemus if you revisit that conversation yes he says who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man but of God and he talks to Nicodemus about being born again and Nicodemus is like well how can anyone go back into their mother's womb and come out and and he's like no 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 no. I'm not talking about that it's it's not a blood birth it's not a who your parents were it's not a who you came from mm-hmm. this is a, this is a spiritual rebirth so I love it's how so John funny. hinting at that I was literally thinking of that when I was reading this and thinking about too that I don't think it's an accident that Nicodemus came to Jesus in the night to ask those questions he was in his blind oh, place yeah. ready to have his eyes open to the truth yeah oh I love the I Bible that. <laughs> <laughs> we say that so many times yes we do <laughs> um And then also, so, okay, we're going to move now to the section 14 through 18, which I have to say is probably my favorite part because it really just brings it all together in this crescendo. Um, And here, this is what I would summarize as John introducing the incarnation, this new beginning. The word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observed his the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me has surpassed me because he existed before me. Hmm. Indeed, we have all received grace after grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Hmm. No one has ever seen God, the one and only son, the one who is at the father's side. He has revealed him. <laughs> it's like, where do you start with all that? Yeah. Just uh, sit there and hold your breath for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, first of all, John doesn't waste time. He starts off with like this incredibly complex metaphor. The word became flesh and took up residence among us. Or I, I actually prefer some other translations that say, um, like tabernacled among us that that's that same word um took up residence is that same word as tabernacle or you could even think of it as tent because it's in in the um in the greek dictionary it's the same word as tent so you could say the word became flesh and tented among us that concept of dwelling living with living in is incredible to me yes and that's exactly right he's He's taking up residence among us, living with us. But I think it's interesting, too, because, like, when do you use a tent? Is it for Mm. a long period of time or a short period of time? Oh, wow. (laughs) I definitely wouldn't want to be staying in a tent for my entire life. So you have this element of temporariness. He took up residence among us in his fleshly body for a temporary period of time. Mm. And in the same way, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was Mm -hmm. God's temporary dwelling, his temporary temple. And what we see later is that the temple was actually built and it was his permanent dwelling. And you also see Christ call himself uh, the temple saying he's going to rebuild the temple in three days, referring to himself and and having a more permanent um, dwelling of God. And so and that's like, honestly, I can't even go off on that rabbit trail right now because it's like, OK, it's not even just Christ. It's like Christ and his church. So yes. that's a whole nother rabbit trail. But the neat part there is just the the tent being this very uh complex metaphor and i'll throw one more at you with the same the same word there for the tabernacle is just that idea that there's like a fragility there Mm -hmm. um to a tent and and so you have that that paradox of jesus being god divine but also being this fragile human wow Wow. Yeah. What I wouldn't give to take like a a writing class from John, you know? Oh my goodness. As long as you don't talk back, talk him and criticize when he uh, lays out his thesis. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's so funny. And then you get that word again. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me has surpassed me because he existed before me. Um, and then verse 16, do you have, do you have that in front of you or do you not? The John one verse. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, would you read verse 16 for me? 
For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. I, that verse has always been a funny little mystery to me. And it was just this week as I was studying that I feel like something else clicked and it just made more sense to me. And I have another version, so I'll read that one too, because it says grace after grace, which Mm. is interesting. And so I just wanted to talk about that for a second, because I think what that's what John is getting at here, because you've had him set up this whole thing of this timeline, right? The beginning, Old Testament, incarnation of Christ slash New Testament. And, And he's saying, we've all received grace after grace from his fullness, meaning first we had the grace of the law. The law was there to mm-hmm. keep us in relationship with God and to keep us on God's path and his ways. And and then you have also like the ceremonial laws to keep us clean and able to, to go before the Lord. And that was, that was grace. Like Leviticus is, is, evidence of God's grace and saying you screwed up but I still want relationship with you so I'm gonna tell you all (laughs) I'm gonna tell you all these tedious little things you need to do so I don't wipe you from the earth (laughs) and then you have Jesus who comes and he does away with the law he fulfills the law so that we don't have to have that guilt anymore so we've all received grace upon grace or grace after grace. And like jo- John's just like, get ready because we're digging into this new grace we're about to receive in Christ now that he's on the scene. I just love that. <sighs> and then and, and he expounds on that. So it makes sense. He says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And then I love how um, the last verse, this is the one I said I was going to get back to, verse 18. (laughs) He says, no one has ever seen God, the one and only son, the one who is at the father's side. He has revealed him. And I think this is interesting. I was thinking about this in a new way just last week. Just this idea that God did reveal himself in the Old Testament, but usually it didn't go over too well. And I was thinking of (laughs) (laughs) Exodus uh, 20, Mm -hmm. uh, 18 and 19. So it says, when the people saw the thunder, this is on Sinai, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. (laughs) So they are literally afraid. Um, Kind of a proper fear that we forget about, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but a little bit too, like we can't handle this, like physically, (laughs) emotionally. I was listening to Tim and John on the Bible Project and I think John sums it up. He's like, the people are basically like, never do that again. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot take it literally. (laughs) Yeah. And so there is this, this essence of like God's holiness and this 
this we can't handle it. Like you see so many examples of that, of of Daniel and Ezekiel, like being incapacitated for days after they've received a vision from the Lord. And, and so I love, I just love that. No one's ever seen God. So all throughout, all throughout history, like God chose that Moses was the first one. They said, speak, you speak to us. So Moses was really the inauguration of the prophets, Mm -hmm. the period of the prophets. And now John's the last one of these people God has appointed to speak for him. He's speaking through them because we couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but then I love that he says now Jesus has revealed him. Yeah. Like God was waiting for this moment in history to to more fully and beautifully and perfectly reveal himself through Jesus. Talk about grace on grace. Yes. And and Hebrews 1 just uh, uh, says that in a different way, and I'll read it real quick. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different mm-hmm. times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God mm-hmm. has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. So what a gift, you guys. Like, what a gift that God has revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus. And and that makes me more excited too for just the fact that like that promise that one day we'll see him face to face. Mm-hmm. Like we are already so in awe of who Christ was and we we didn't even get to walk and talk with him, but but there's such a sense of awe there and like that isn't even the full picture. Like mm-hmm. that's a a veiled representation of of the fullness of God. So, so that's just like mind blowing. It makes me very, very excited to go even deeper in this series. I think about how, I don't know about for you, but for me, Christmas time always brings up kind of a melancholy, kind of a, um, a quiet weight, I guess in my heart. And we're going to talk more about this, the idea of longing and waiting and the idea that Jesus has come and he's coming again, bringing light into our darkness. Um, so just this setup right here and this picture of literary um, technique that he's going to use to keep that spiral going and take us even deeper into seeing him for who he is. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> And I like I just have to say a quick tangent for anyone that happens to be like studying uh, first John. There's so much good stuff in there about John talking about how um, we are now like through our love for one another. That's how we show that we know God and have like Mm. seen Jesus. And so there's also that element of like what a privilege it is that God has called us to reveal himself to the world now through how we treat others like Mm. he's still revealing himself but now it's not prophets it's us like we're the ambassadors and if we want to reflect that image clearly we have to work on how we love one another like how convicting (laughs) I love that you're bringing that out because that that's very much connecting to where we're going to go next week awesome Um, I'm going to say to share that yeah. on your social media for um, for us, if you would re- um, recommend a couple passages that we can read in first John to kind of take us even deeper down that. Okay. I can have obedience. Do that. <laughs> <Love> that. 
Um, so, and just to close us out, um, we, I just wanted to read because I actually forgot to read these earlier, but just that idea that this new light, this new beginning um, has come into the world. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to show you just the beauty of prophecy fulfilled because Isaiah speaks of this. In mm-hmm. Isaiah 9 2, it says, The people walking in dark, darkness have seen a great light and those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned excuse me on those living a light has dawned and in then 60 isaiah 61 through 5 arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord rises upon you see darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples but the lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. So, you guys, <laughs> Stephanie, this is why I love studying the word together in community because I, you guys can't even see what's happening behind the screen because this is we're doing this all audio this time. But as we've been preparing, we've been tossing passages back and forth, back and forth to each other, and we are going to go into that passage in Isaiah next week a little bit deeper. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know, are you ready to close? Because I have some just a couple of parting thoughts to share. Yeah, you can go ahead. Um, and, I just and then wanna, I'll just say one more thing for the teaser for next perfect. for my for yes. my next one. Uh, this is just my encouragement to you guys: is really work to be present in the series. Um, take a few minutes. I want to encourage you, maybe even open up these passages and read them with your kids, with your husband, um, to quiet your heart. To as Steph just read for us from Isaiah, lift up our eyes um, to see the light of Christ for who He is. That He came. Advent, we call it, um, the coming. He came into our world. He has come into our lives, those of us who are in Christ. Um, and then and, um, that idea of joy, that we will really truly walk in joy this Advent season. Um, I'm, I'm so excited. Both of us are so excited to be journeying with you um, this month together in this idea of longing and light. Yes, I love that, how that chapter 60 of Isaiah ties together those two light and joy mm-hmm. like light has dawned in the darkness and that brings joy so yeah. su- such a good such a good concept um and the next time I talk will be week three so we're excited because Angela gets to talk for our week two mm-hmm. session and I know she has so much good stuff for us um but week three I just want to mention that this creation concept that John started out introducing actually continues into chapter two. And so he's doing it on purpose. He has a plan. And just like Genesis goes through the seven days of creation, John's going to do a little nod to that too. And it's going to blow you away with where we Mm. end up. So I can't wait. So, so good. Thank you guys so much for doing this with us. Um, Leave leave notes for us on social media. Stephanie's at Read, Cook, Devour, and I'm at Everyday Welcome on both Instagram and Facebook. Um, we would love to hear feedback from you guys. Really, truly, we desperately long for feedback. 
from you guys um, if you're enjoying this and you're yes, gaining from let it. Let us know if it's worth it. <laughs> That's why we do it, because we love you and we want to dig in together. Um, so we want to encourage you guys to have a great week. Watch your email, um, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yes, rest and Merry Christmas. <laughs>